Well, hey, good morning. So glad that you could join us. Uh, we're, we're continuing our series called I Love My Neighborhood. And we've talked about loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind. We've talked about how to neighbor. But one thing that I, I've never really taught on before is this idea of what Jesus says at the, at the end of this kind of passage where he says, says, love your neighbor as yourself. I've heard people talk about this and I've read things about this. And a lot of times people say this in relation to the text. They say, you know, you don't really have anything to offer unless you really take care of yourself first. Or I've heard things like, you know, if, if you haven't learned how to love yourself, you'll, you'll never be able to love other people. The problem with this is that it's really rooted in kind of a, a cultural mindset that, you know, if you go into Barnes & Noble and you go into the self-help section, you're going to see all sorts of talk like this. You're going to see all sorts of language of self-love and self-care and self-esteem and self-worth. And oftentimes this is how it plays out. If, uh, if I'm tired or I'm sad or my relationships aren't uh, satisfying, if my work is too hard, uh, if your pants are too tight, whatever, uh, this can all be remedied by a solid dose of some self-love. And so usually it works itself out by, you, know, you just need to talk positively to yourself. You just need to remind yourself of what you're worth and what you're entitled to. And, and maybe you just need a cigar and a good bottle of beer or a, a bubble bath and a, and a glass of rosé or something like that. But I think where this thinking and ideology goes wrong is, is that by thinking that indulging in ourselves, we can somehow end up loving other people really well. That if I just focused on myself a little bit better, then I would be able to love other people better. And I think the biggest issue with this, and, and this is a really great question for us to ask ourselves anytime uh, we're being taught something or we're coming to conclusions in scriptures or we just have an idea. So we just ask the question, where do we see Jesus practice this? I mean, if Jesus is supposed to be our example in everything, where do we see Jesus practice this idea of self-care and self-love? I mean, go ahead and think about it. If you're a student of the scriptures and the story of Jesus, where do you ever see Jesus practice self-love? I mean, if you're like me, I, I can't find any place in scripture where I see that. Well, you see places where Jesus goes off to the mountain by himself to spend time with the Father, but you don't ever hear Jesus saying, hey guys, here's what I'm about to do. I'm about to really take care of myself so that later I can love other people really well. You don't ever see him saying that. You don't ever see him saying, guys, hey, really watch how I do this, how I take care of myself because I expect you to do it just like me. You don't see him say that. Instead, you see Jesus say things like, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. It's like the complete opposite. You see him say, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for myself or for the gospel will save it. You see him say things like John 15. He says, greater love is no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. In fact, if you look at the life and the ministry of Jesus, it's completely from beginning to end characterized by this self-giving and self-sacrifice. See, And I think the way that Jesus spoke assumed that those that would follow after him would live their lives patterned after his, just like this. In fact, Jesus says this in Matthew 20. He says, whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave. Must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so I think with this idea, part of the problem is our interpretation. 
is Jesus is not saying, hey, you need to make sure that you love yourself really, really well so that out of that you can love other people well. He's saying, love your neighbor just like you already love yourself. This is not two different commandments. He's not saying love yourself, then love your neighbor. He's saying love your neighbor like you already love yourself. Because the reality is, is most of us are pretty good at taking care of ourselves. I mean, everybody does a pretty good job just intuitively as humanity looking out for our own interests and for our own safety, for our own goals. We do pretty good at looking after our own interests. Because the truth is everybody wants to be happy. I mean, everybody wants to be safe. Everybody wants to be fulfilled and have a satisfied life. And because that's the case, Jesus doesn't need to say, hey, make sure that you take care of yourself and, and make sure that you invest a little bit more and focus a little bit more on your own happiness. Because wired inside of us as humanity is this desire to provide for ourselves, this desire for food and for clothing and for shelter and for protection and meaning. By the way, all of these things are loving yourself. It's this deep longing that we all have to have less pain and more happiness. And so that's why Jesus starts with when he says, love your neighbor as yourself. He's assuming that we take care of ourselves in some way because everybody without exception has this human trait. Like you don't have to learn this. You, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to uh, study it. It just comes intuitive to humanity. God created it. it. In and of itself, it's a good thing. Hey, it's, to hunger for food is not an evil thing. To want to be warm in the winter, that's not an evil thing. To want to be safe in the midst of a crisis is not an evil thing. To want to be healthy in the midst of uh, all of that's going on in this world is, is not, it's not evil. To want to have a place where you belong is not evil. To want to have your life count in some significant way, all of these things are not evil. This is the way it's always been since the beginning of humanity. But I think this is how you know that your desire for loving yourself has gone too far and beyond what God has intended. Is how do you react when Jesus says to you, just like you love yourself, just like you provide for yourself, just like you care for yourself, that's exactly how you're supposed to love and provide and care for your neighbor. Because this is what it implies, this commandment that Jesus gives. Like just like you want food when you're hungry, we're supposed to have that same kind of desire for our hungry neighbor. Just like you want to have clothes for yourself, that's the desire we're supposed to have for other, other people, that we would want to clothe our neighbor when he or she is in need. And just like you want a comfortable place to live, like it, that's the desire we're supposed to have for other people that are in need of a place to live. Just like you want to, just like you want to be safe and not worried about danger, so we should want to provide that for other people. Just like you want to belong and have friends, so you should provide friendship for other people. Just like you want to be welcomed when you're in a new place or you're a foreigner, so we welcome the foreigner or those that are in a new place. Like really, it's just the golden rule. You've heard this. Your mom probably taught you about this. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. In fact, what's interesting about this is Jesus is not making up this statement when he says, love your neighbor as yourself. He's, he's quoting from Leviticus chapter 19. And when you look at Leviticus chapter 9, 19, especially verses 9 through 18, and you look at this in context, this is what neighboring looks like. It means taking care of the poor and the traveler and the stranger. It means treating people fairly. It, it means working towards justice for those that are oppressed. 
And in some places, being a good neighbor just means being a, a decent human being. See, these verses that we read in Leviticus, they describe this kind of very active type of love, that this love is not an emotional feeling. It's not just warm affections or good thoughts. It's this practical, sacrificial type of love. It's something that is actively being worked towards the benefit of another human being. It, it encompasses every area of life. When you read through Leviticus 19, you see it's like, it's in our work, provide love to, the, to your neighbor. It's, it's in our words, you provide love for your neighbor. It's in the field and in the courtroom, on the highway, which is a real problem for some of us, and also in our hearts, like we would deeply love people. That in all the places that we find ourselves in, and all the situations we find ourselves in, that we, the way that we want what's best for ourselves that's the way we gauge how we're supposed to love our neighbor. And so Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, just that phrase is, is, is massive. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, Jesus is not just saying work for the same things for your neighbor that you want for yourself. He's also saying this. He's saying work for them in the same way. In other words, not apathetically. Not haphazardly, but with the same energy and the same, same passion that you have in providing for your own self. It means that if you're energetic about working towards your own well-being, <laughs> be energetic about providing for the well-being of other people. Like if you're creative in, in meeting your own needs, that's fantastic. But also be creative in, in working towards meeting your neighbor's needs or helping them meet their own needs. If you're persevering in your work, for, for your own justice when you've been wrong, that, that's the exact same type of perseverance we're supposed to work for justice on behalf of those that are, that are being wronged. Here's how Pastor John Piper says it. He says this. He says, make your own self-seeking the measure of your own self-giving. Make your own self-seeking the measure of your self-giving. In other words, look at how you pursue your own well-being. Look at the way you, that you think about your own food needs and your shelter needs and all of the needs that you have. Look at how you pursue your own well-being and make that the standard for how you're going to work for your neighbor's well-being. Now, I mean, like, so I'm studying through this message and, and I'm, I'm writing this and, and learning from other people. I'm like, this is crazy. Like, it's nuts. And, and so here's what I want to point out. Like, Jesus is saying to love our neighbors as ourselves. Jesus is not saying love our neighbors instead of ourselves. And I think here would be an example of this. I just heard this this week that in the second century, uh, the, the pastor Clement, he wrote this in one of his books that, that the early Christians were so, so passionate about the poor that they would actually sell themselves into slavery and then give that money to provide for the poor. I mean, that, that's incredible commitment. But I would say that's not obedience to what Jesus is saying here. He, he's, not, he's saying love our neighbors as ourselves, not instead of ourselves. And I think one of the big fears that probably many of us have is, is we think, you know, if I really give myself to God, like if I really just really decide to follow Jesus with all my heart, my soul, my mind, if, if I really decide to love, love my neighbor as myself, then honestly, I'm not going to be able to take care of myself. Like if I'm always giving of my time and my energy and my resources, what's going to be left in it? What's going to be left for me? And it could almost feel like a suicide for our own goals or for our own passions or dreams. 
And I think when we think in that kind of light, like it's no wonder why when people read the passage like this, they feel a tremendous amount of weight. It's like a huge burden has been placed on their shoulders. Which is why not only for this passage, but anytime we read the scriptures, it's always so crucial for us to read it in context. Because it's only when we understand the first statement that the second statement becomes doable. Remember what Jesus said first. He says, here's the first commandment. Here's the first greatest thing. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. Remember, your heart, this is the center of your affections. And the will is the center of your decisions. And the mind is the center of your intellect. Like there's something deeply, there's something so deeply profound that happens when we love God with everything that we are. It's like all that we long for is is now found its fulfillment in Him. See, loving ourselves is is the desire for life and satisfaction, whether rather than frustration and death. And, and so God says, Hey, come to me. Like, you want to find all of these things, come to me, and I'll give you fullness of joy, and and I'll satisfy your heart, and I'll satisfy your soul, and I'll satisfy your mind. And what you'll find is that this is not a canceling of our self-love. This is really the fulfillment of it and the transformation of the self-love. And I think when we discover that, that that God is this never-ending fountain of our joy and our peace and our hope, it, it changes the way that we're... It changes the capacity in which we can love our neighbor. Now when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, we don't respond by saying, hey, I can never do that. Like that is, that's way too crazy. Like that's way too hard. Instead we say, I've already found everything that I need. All of my deep longings, I've already found it all in God. And so now I can give freely. And I think what happens is when we find all that we long for in God, then we don't have to fight for these things for ourselves, but can give give of them out of what we've already been given by God. And I think I think anytime we, we talk about loving people, I mean that it's such a vast concept and and there there's a lot of complexities to this. Like I honestly think like I would be a really great Christian if it wasn't for people. <laughs> But, but all of this has to do with loving God and people. And so there's complexities with loving people, isn't there? Like there's time issues. Uh, there's the issue of, you know, if I do this, is it really actually good for the other person? There's choices about what to give and what to save. And we understand that loving God sustains us. When we understand this, like we understand that loving God sustains us through all of these complexities and uncertainties. And so... And so when the sacrifice is great and loving our neighbors does require a great sacrifice, we know that God's grace is even greater than that. And when there is pain or uncertainty in loving our neighbors, remember that God's love sustains us. See, my my own effort in loving myself is not what sustains me. And in fact, for you, it can never be what sustains you. It's finding all that we need, all that we need deeply satisfied in Jesus. And I think when we remember that, we're able to give freely. We're able to love our neighbor through whatever practical means that may look like because we found everything that we need already in God, in loving God with our heart, soul, and mind. See, when we've received freely from the limitless love and peace and joy and provision from God, then we can give knowing that even when we give away, it's immediately going to be replaced from God's limitless provisions. So let me end this way. 
I think truthfully, most of us don't need to be reminded that we're supposed to love our neighbors. But I think almost all of us need the reminder that loving our neighbor is only doable when we learn to love God with all of our heart and our soul and our mind. See, when we know that all we need and long for is fulfilled in Jesus, that's what enables us to love other people. That the most important thing that you can do is deeply receive God's love for you. I think also for some of us, I mean, loving our neighbors as ourselves is scary because honestly, we don't treat ourselves very well. I mean, the, the way that we tra- talk to ourselves, like we would never talk to another person like that in love. Or, or the way that, that you punish, you, you would never punish other, other people the way that you punish yourself for some mistake or something that's in your head. Or you would never think the worst about somebody else like the way that you think the worst about yourself. And we need to remember this, that, that God's love to us must come before God's love through us. That God's love to us, really deeply understanding that God loves you. He's passionate about you. That he wants to provide for you. That his grace is enough for you. God's love to us always has to come before God's love through us. See, loving God is first. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, it says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. See, this is real love. Not that we loved God. Like, you didn't earn it. You didn't work for it. You didn't get enough gold stars. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, that's first. We surely ought to love each other. How do we neighbor? Well, Jesus said it like this. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and your mind. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. I just want to ask you that as we head into a a moment of worship, I'd ask you just to pause and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. What's something that you need to take away? What's one thing that you need to put into action? What do you need to remember? Where Where do you need to experience God's deep love for you right now? What opportunity do you have to love your neighbor this week? And I'd encourage you to remember, God's love to us always has to come first before God's love through us.